Hello, hello! Welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. My name is Peter Bond. With me today, I have my friend and closest confidant, India Jones. Hi, hello. And of course, rounding out our Motley crew is my foe and arch rival, Joshua Baker. It's your boy. <laughs> so here we are. We're we're doing the we're doing the darn thing. And what we're going to be doing here on this particular show is we're going to be reading the Malazan Book of the Fallen, starting with Gardens of the Moon. Uh, we'll be reading a few chapters each week. Probably depends on what book we're on and this and that. And then coming together to discuss our general thoughts on what we read characters, scenes we liked, questions, and uh, you get the gist. You get it. The catch here is that I have read all 10 of the main books, and India and Josh have not. So whilst they are kind of mired in the confusion that is typical of reading the Malazan series, I will, in theory, be able to illuminate and provide guidance. However, you know, we'll see how that goes. I wouldn't, I wouldn't exactly claim scholarship myself. But, you know, uh, Josh, why don't you catch, catch some speed on your experience reading fantasy, your reading, or if, uh, if you've ever read anything like Malazan. Okay, so uh, I'm Josh. Uh, I'm, what you, I'm what you call a book boy. Uh, I do like reading. I've read a lot of fantasy. Uh, my favorite types of fantasy are long series where I read the first book, and then I tell myself I'll read the rest and then never do. Uh, mm. I'm very, very good at that. You, I believe you've done that with Discworld as well. I've, oh, I've done it with Discworld, Game of Thrones. Uh, I mean, I could name like eight different series I've done that to on my bookshelf right now. I'm a monster. I have read all of Harry Potter. That's good, I guess. And uh, I've, ne- I've not read any of the Malazan Book of the Fallen. Uh, Peter read it while we were college roommates, and he just screamed a lot while reading Gardens of the Moon, and uh, that really turned me off from it for seven years. So I'm really excited to now uh, be forced to read it in a podcast. Pretty hype. India, what about your experience? Um, Yeah, so I read a lot back in my day, you know, the Click series and uh, Gossip Girl and then I kind of fell off, um, and then I came back hard with a really, really, probably the most, uh, what do you call these kinds of books? Fantasy? High fantasy. Fantasy books ever, and I read the Twilight series. Okay. And so obviously, um, I'm really into these kinds of books, and I did this podcast with you guys because uh, I'm really just looking for a good time with some friends, and we'll see what happens. Am I looking forward? And Peter, I would like to point out you are in the minority. I have, I as well have read the entirety of the Twilight Saga. Boom. Well, now listen, India, uh, I know I've talked to you. I, I certainly hope you'll have a good time with friends. I do believe it's going to be quite different than reading the Twilight books. However, I have not read any of those, so I can't exactly 100% say they'll be different. But I have a strong inkling that it's going to be a very different reading experience. I am down for a challenge. Well, I, 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 I'm glad to hear that. Right now we're recording kind of a little pre-thing. We all have our copies of Gardens of the Moon. That's right. But we have yet to start reading them. We're going to read the prologue and the first two chapters and then come back and discuss them. But I just want to get this on record now, kind of before Indy or Josh have been exposed to the, the series and have had their impressions made. Neither of you know anything about Malazan, correct? I know there's 10 books. I don't even know the book we're reading. 
So it should be promising. We should be in for quite a treat. For the two years I live with you, I thought the first book was Guardians of the Moon. And uh, now it's Guardians, and it's much less interesting sounding. So. It's Guardians of the Galaxy. Got it. One. Uh, once again, I, I think this is going to be quite different from that cinematic film as well. I think it's going to be... Well, I'm going to just blast 70s hits while I read it, though, to kind of evoke that imagery. Uh, yeah. I actually... I it, There's a chance that could be congruent with Steven Erickson's vision. However, I can't be sure. Okay. He's not putting, um, out, he's not putting out an official playlist to do the read with? Think about it. So before we kind of throw to break, and then when we come back, it will be the future, and we will have read, in theory, these books, uh, the, 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 not all of the books, just the beginning of Every one Gardens of the, of the Moon. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be very far in the future. We're going to throw a break and come back. I just wanted to share kind of a special number with the two of you, which is 3.3 million words are the sum total of all the words in the, in the series. So it's going to be quite a long read. So I just wanted to kind of g- g- throw that out there uh, to try and build morale, you know, you to t- take on the you task. You tell me there's 330,000 words approximately. No, in million. Each book. Million. But in each 3. book, 3. there's 330,000 in each book. Uh, I, at least over 300,000. Sometimes it changes. Fuck me. This is going to be so, the experience. And with that... We're it doesn't going even look that big. I'm looking at the book right now. It's that many words? <laughs> How small is, is this font? It is that many words. Small font. Small font. So, so, yes, the books often have a small font. So with that gumption and excitement, uh, we're going to throw it back, break, and come back when we have begun Gardens of the Moon. Yeah, give me a second. I got something to say. I got something to say. J- Josh, j- hold up one sec. Josh has got something to say. Hi. Uh, Hi, this is jo- I'm Josh peeking back in here. Let it be known, I, I have Gardens of the Moon directly next to Fellowship of the Ring, and Fellowship of the Ring is a bigger book. Fellowship of the Ring is 170,000 words, and Peter's telling me there's 300,000 <laughs> in this tinier book next to it, and I'm livid. Well, I just, like, first of all, I got bad, I got bad eyesight, okay? I'm wearing glasses, I got new ones, they're a little bit bigger, my vision's kind of wonky, and it's some small font, I'm not excited... 330,000 words. Okay, okay, listen, listen. Let me jump back in. I looked in, I looked it up. Gardens of the Moon is only 200,000 words. That's 30,000 more than Fellowship of the Ring. And it's a bigger, do you want to look at my webcam? I'll point it down there, look. Look, it's on the It's on the amp, look. It's, it's, I can't point with the webcams. There, look. It's a lot of words. The Emperor is dead. The prologue begins with Genois Peran, a young noble in the Imperial capital, meeting Whiskey Jack, a commander of the Bridgeburners. They speak about Perrin's wishes to become a soldier and the unrest in the city, which is in some part due to Surly taking the throne. Surly soon crosses paths with this conversation, and she informs Whiskey Jack that he and the Bridgeburners are to be sent elsewhere. Surly has taken a new name, the Knappen word for throne master, Lassine. 
So it's been a bit since we've, uh, last time it was pre-everything, pre-reading. Um, India, uh, take us away. What do you think of the prologue and reading, reading in, in general? Um, so it was tough. It was really tough. I don't like that they they just they threw me right in, but I guess all prologues do just like throw you right in. However, this time it was really hard to understand. I didn't realize that it was from the point of view of somebody until midway through it, and then I was like, "Oh, Ganos, Gan- he's a child, correct?" Yeah, he's 12. a he's a boy. Yeah. Yeah, so I assume I I don't really it was I don't have any thoughts about it, and I'll tell you why, because I really don't understand what happened. Surly is a blue woman. Then she is blue. That's the most I really got out of this chapter. Wait, Surly's that, blue? She's blue, yeah. She's a blue woman. She goes by Lacine, Josh. Hmm. Well, yeah, you don't you if you respect her, you'd probably call her Lacine or whatever. Not Surly. That I think that's a sign of disrespect. Well, she's acting pretty surly most days, if you know what I mean. No, what do you mean? I don't know. She comes across as kind of dour. So, Josh, what did you think of the prologue? <laughs> well, I didn't know she was blue. I'm going to start there. Can you say the young boy's name again? Because I didn't pronounce it the way Gano? you did. We can Gano? Say, we can say it Gano. however we Gano. want. I'm going to say Gano. Perrin is the last name and how I always think about it. Perrin's hella easier. Okay. So, before we begin the prologue, I don't know if it's just my edition of the book, but... um. Two things that are very discouraging when starting a book are having an entire dramatis personae before it. I don't um, know what that is. Do you guys I do, have that? and it's quite a few. Yeah. What, it's what a, is that? It's so like an appendix begin- of characters. Yeah, and there's a lot of a lot of them in India. And so that was discouraging. And then more so was there's two maps, and I <laughs> I read I looked at both of these goddamn maps, and I don't know anywhere we've been so far is even on this map i don't think it is um only chapter two does neither of these the prologue is not on the map oh see that would okay that makes the 20 minutes i spent scanning the map feel wasted but thank you um but other than that i i i actually felt it was a pretty approachable chapter i kind of i I felt good about what was going on there were only like three real important people so i didn't feel overwhelmed yet uh yeah how did you read it though and understand what you were reading i didn't but i just was comfortable with the fact that i didn't understand what i was reading he he leaned into the chaos yes well peter like he hid from us once before that there was a glossary so this time i was like fuck this i'm gonna check if there's a glossary and I did, and I found it, and it did nothing for me. There's a glossary? There's Holy a, shit! There Boom. was both a glossary and a list of all the characters. I didn't even know there was a- this make, This is so nice! I just want to say, the prologue really reminded me of just how great of a word Throne Master is. I mean, I don't mean to sound, like, lame, but it's just a great badass word, and, you know, the effect worked. So, yeah. my view. I have a second. Um, just a quick random question. Shoot. When I was reading this, I ended on page 86. Okay. Did anybody else think that that's, that's a lot of pages for two chapters? Um, yeah, that's about where I ended, but that's kind of how e- each chapter ends up being pretty long. I don't, I don't, oh, I don't know what edition awesome. of the book you have, though. So, Here's a quote I enjoyed from the chapter. 
It is when Perrin and Whiskey Jack are talking about Perrin's wishes to become a soldier. He said, he is like, oh, does the world need any more wine merchants or something like that? And I really like that line. And I think, I I think it speaks to his character really well and an interesting idea. But um, then Whiskey Jack later says, taking up the sword is the last act of a desperate man. And it reminds me of the, the Isaac Asimov quote about violence being the last refuge of the incompetent. And, you know, I just, uh, you know, I just enjoyed the quote. So Me that's too. what I wanted to share. Yeah, there, there was there's some choice quotes, bud. <laughs> boo, boo. That's what I think of your tepid reaction. So, Oh, here, here, rewind, rewind. You boo, 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 boo. 20 out of 10, PV. Great, great quote choices. Real proud of you. It's Thanks. actually so funny you bring them up because I too was going to bring up those exact same quotes. Gotta love you some Asimov. Well, should we keep moving? I believe yeah. so. Chapter 1. Seven years have passed, and we see a young girl and a woman in a fishing town on Itko Khan. The woman speaks about the two's intertwined fates before she is struck dead by passing soldiers. Two hooded figures, Cotillion and Shadowthrone, speak of their plans to work against the Empire and Lassine. We now see the Malazine investigation on Itko Khan. The Imperial adjunct Lorne is investigating the slaughter. She recruits a young soldier, Ganois Peran. They conclude the attack was sorceress, and Ganois is promoted and sent to find a young woman and her father who are missing. Ganois travels and finds no record of them. The head of the Empress's assassins takes him to the Imperial capital by way of Imperial Warren. He, for the second time, sees Lassine, now fully on the throne of the Empire. He returns to his noble estate and speaks with his sisters. Finally, we see a young woman volunteer to travel to Genebacus. Her name is Sari. Josh, what did you think of chapter one? So I like chapter one. It uh, it definitely. It, whereas with the prologue, I was like, oh, this is nice. It's just one spot. Just what, you know? Chapter one is just like, all right, many distinct scenes uh, with many distinct characters, which was uh, not a struggle to keep track of, but it definitely like upped the ante a bit. Also, this is the first. This, there, there's a couple things in here where you get the idea that Erickson is just gonna skip over stuff that's insane. You know, like the old lady being a wax witch and trapping the souls of her former lovers. They just, like, that's just a casual, yep, she is. It, it, um, that is, it's just casual, that's, that's just, true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know. Um, I'm not trying to yuck any yums. And then, like, there, I get, I, what are their names? Cotillion, great name. And Shadow Throne, too edgy. I guess are it's the kind of alluded that they're living gods, and that's just like a thing. Um, huh? Yeah, right. They, well, like it's sort of said, it's sort of said, but it's again so offhand that you're like, nah, is that is that right? And I had to reread it. And it yeah. So it does say that. Yes, maybe okay. not this chapter, but maybe the next chapter. It's, no, it's this one. It's this one. They definitely say it in this one. I thought they were demons because of all the shadows. Um, no, demons are in the next chapter where, again, they're just said that they're there and then we're good. We, we, so anyway, I really liked, uh, Gana, that's how I'm gonna pronounce his name, uh, <laughs> Gandy Boy. Uh, I like Gandy Boy a lot. He's, uh, you know, he's just young and full of angst because he's a fantasy hero and he has to be. 
Of course, his family hates him because classic. He's fun. You know, the horse scene in the throne room. 12 out of 10. And uh, that's it. So I got it's my hot take. I would just like to say, in Perrin's defense, I think he thinks his family hates him. Obviously, I would say I think uh, that's all. We we don't know much more than that, right? His sister definitely hates him. Well, they're all young and have a little bit of attitude. That's definitely true. It's true. India, what did you think? Do you uh, what did you think of the chapter? Well, you know, hearing you guys discuss the chapter is really interesting to me, um, because you can speak about it in a way that like it makes sense. Whereas for me, I just read words and I get like a skeleton of what's going on. And then I'm like, okay, well. So when I read it, I was like, this guy uses too many adjectives. So many adjectives. <laughs> in fact, it's hard for me to remember the sentence. Yo, you're so, you're so on point. I, I like the adjectives. No, but... I, I don't because we're talking about like the, the glove that the man hit that old lady with. And I forgot what, what even like I didn't even know why he did it I feel like we've skipped over an entire thing that I just don't understand this whole woman was she even relevant the woman that died and I didn't even know that she died until like five pages later when they were like yeah and she's still on the street dead that was confusing well, the, sol- the soldier struck her dead for with know, his hand he just hit her he backslapped her I guess you know he's he, he was doing a lot of arm work I don't know that pimp hand was strong and as he rode by, he leaned in his saddle and swung an open gauntleted hand. The iron-scaled glove cracked against Riga's head. Does anybody remember what happened at the beginning of that sentence? Because I don't. <laughs> the sentence was too long for end. But, so all this to say, I didn't understand a lot of what you guys said. The way I saw it was there was this girl walking with an old lady. The old lady died for no reason because of two people. And then the the girl was like mumbling weird things. And then I was like, is she even the girl anymore? Like, is she the old lady now? Did the old lady like put herself in the girl? And then I don't even know what they did to the girl. She just went in a shadow and that was just the end of that. To be fair, I think it ends. I don't Josh, I don't know if you have an idea what happened. It does end somewhat ambiguous. We know that she had this encounter and then mm-hmm. Cotillion and Shadowthrone show up. And then we're not really clear what happens. We just kind of cut away to them investigating the aftermath. Well, don't so, they take don't they take her away? Because they send the like demon dogs to slaughter all the army. Everyone else, yeah. Right, and then they take her away because they say like, "Oh, it's not so bad being the pawn of gods or whatever." Yes, right. yes, yes. But what I'm saying, yes, that is not ambiguous. What I'm saying is, it is ambiguous what that means. And later, oh, not what, no idea. Yeah, see, that's I'm I, I yeah right. That's more what I was saying. So she okay. So I feel like oh, I'll, she I'll, the I'll be seeing her again. Chapter? What? At the end of the chapters, is that Sari's body? I thought it. I see. I was gonna. So is it Sari? Sorry? Sorry? Who's Sari? Who is Sari? Well, Sari. According to the, the dramatis personae, is Sari the girl? Sari. Sari is daughter? the is the fisherman's daughter. Yes. See, I didn't. Why make a wouldn't they right say now. that? Yeah, until you until you led me to that answer right now, I would have never gotten that. Well, because. You are unaware of her actual name until she is, gives her name as Sari to the Malazan army. That's not her name in the beginning, is it? So are we just guessing that she, is she like is she like now not her? She's like a pawn, and she's just infiltrating the army. Yeah, they, I don't know if the dramatis personae is supposed to spoil it, but she's definitely not a young girl. So yeah, India, you said it mostly correct. I mean. Right, she like there's this you, no 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 you're you were had it entirely correct. A fishing village is torn apart by these two people, and then uh, 
they take a young girl from the village and send her to the army, and they are a pawn of a god, uh, to use, uh, I think, Cotillion says it at the end. Maybe it's Shadow Throne. Um, yeah, it's better to be... Yeah, so so you had it right. I mean, they just... Some, something's amiss, and she is maybe not entirely herself. Oh, I have so many questions now. It's interesting to hear this when it, like when it's explained, because I, I have a very... It's just been a real, it's been a real difficult time reading this book. Well, and as I've told you, I am much closer to your, like, you got to remember, I've already read the book, you know? So part of it is like, to me, it's like, oh, this all makes sense in retrospect, you know? Right. I I was deeply confused last time, so. um, So, and, and by the end of this book, just, just to give me a glimpse into what I have, what I can expect, will I have any answers answered? Yes, you definitely, definitely will. All right. Okay. Not all of them, because it's a series, of course, but... Right, yeah. And then, did the... Before we move on, the the Warrens made sense to you, too? Did the... Do you understood that? Oh, yeah. Those sense is cool as shit. Yeah, it is cool. I really like it. No. <laughs> no. It, it's like... I don't know what's cool. The Imperial Warren, it's what him and the and Topper travel to the, the capital in. Uh-uh. It's kind of like a magical portal. The world has many Warrens in it, which are kind of other planets, so to speak, other worlds. And like, um, I would have just glazed over that casually. And the mages are like slipping in. Yeah. So like, it's like this, like there's the planet fire. There's like, it's like if I were to open a portal to Mars and like, I would let out all the heat from Mars and it would burn someone. But then sometimes we could open the portal, go to Mars, walk 100 miles, and then come out 1,000 miles here. Do you know what I mean? It's like they're, Warrens are these other worlds, and sometimes they're open to let loose, like, oh, the fire energy of the world or the healing energy of the world. And then other times, like, for example, with this Imperial Warren, the Warren of the Empire, people use it to travel great distances. Oh. So, like, they're thousands of miles away, but he's like, let's slip into this other world, and then we'll come back to our world here. Yes. There are many worlds. It, it's it's just part of it, so. Yep. Okay. Uh, yes. It'll, it, well, we can come back to it. I mean, it's, 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 it's like foundational of the series. It'll make sense over time. And then this is an obvious answer that's a yes, but I just want to clarify. Mm-hmm. Um. So we are coming into the future, and that boy that was in the prologue is now a young man. And he's on the side of the- He became a soldier. So he's a good soldier? Well- Or a bad soldier? He is a soldier of the Empire, and I would assume we will discuss the relative morality of the Empire, so- Got it. All right. All right, so let's take a break, and when we'll come back, we'll talk about Chapter 2. We hope you enjoy these, uh, these words from our sponsors. Chapter 2 Two years have passed. The story picks up on Genabacus, a continent far from the Imperial capital. The second army has just fought the Battle of Pale. Tattersail, a mage in the army, takes in the aftermath. She watches as the bridge burners, led by Whiskey Jack, emerges from their costly subterranean post. She recalls the events of the earlier day. After a tryst with her ill-fated lover, the mages of the Second Army plan the attack on Pale, along with the sorceress rival, Hairlock. During the battle, the Second Army takes many losses, and Tattersail watches as 
mages and soldiers are destroyed. Hairlock is ripped in half, and his soul is placed in a marionette. The Tistiandi and their fortress, Moonspawn, retreated from the allied city of Pale after it falls to the Melazan siege. Exhausted from the day, Tattersail speaks with Hairlock and has a reading from the Deck of Dragons. First, she sees the Knight of Darkness, then the Twin Jesters, and she hears the sound of the spinning coin. In addition to Whiskey Jack, we also meet Quickben and Kalam. Amongst the bridge burners is a young Itko Kenny's woman, Sorry. India, how much of the chapter made sense? How much you pick up on your time through? So, going through that chapter, I understood that there was like this. We were coming back later, and there was another war, but I wasn't really understanding the whole picture. Um, I feel like every the chapters were people are killing people for this reason, and now they're killing like another group. But I'm not really sure what's happening. Like, why are they doing this? And what is this about? And are the bridge burners good or bad? <laughs> so it, those were a few of my questions. You were a little unclear on why the battle was taking place. Yes. Josh, did you feel confident in that? Not in the absolute slightest. Um, I actually was, was pretty pretty much the same as India. I understood a lot of the specifics of what was going on, but like the larger scale, I am pretty lost. Something that both of you picked up on that I didn't know until Peter said it with his mouth just now is that three years passed, uh, because I read a lot of fantasy and never look at dates, and I guess I have to now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, like, literally, I just assumed these things were happening concurrently. For the record, two years, but, I mean, it couldn't be concurrent. I mean, we just saw Sari on Itko Khan and the last chapter, and now we see her here on Kanabakas. Yeah, I didn't think about that, buddy. Well, I uh like... You know, I'm not really good at fantasy, but I, I do believe I have very strong critical thinking skills. So and that's where we just, differ. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> I'm a sheep, but I like swords. <laughs> well, basically, uh, the, the, the Malazan Empire is on the continent of Genabacus and is expanding their reach. And um, Pale is one of the free cities that is opposing it. So as this empire is expanding, the city was allied with the Tistiandi and the Moonspawn. Now, okay, can I stop you there? Sure. I, okay, I want to clarify. I think I got this. Yeah. I want to confirm. Okay, so there's the the Malazan Empire, yes. which most of the characters we've met so far are a part of in some yes. way. M most, then, yes, most. Most, yes. Then there are several free cities on the continent. Yes. Which are sort of like city-states, I imagine. Yeah, they're somewhat like that, yeah. Okay, now, who the fuck are the Tistiandi? And do they have a flying mountain fortress? They do have a flying mountain fortress, and it's on a moon. The moon's so, gone, if you will. Now, okay, now I'm gonna back you up again. I'm gonna back you up again, okay? Because I the page where the the page where the mountain moves, I read three times because I was kind. I just didn't. I I didn't want to accept that that was a thing that was just gonna be in this. <laughs> and now you're telling me that this mountain fortress is on a moon. It is on a moon, and the so moon you're saying, moves. So, okay, but is the moon in the atmosphere? Yeah. No, it's 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 not quite there in how I know it. So how? So you're telling me that there is a man on this moon mountain base, I, I raining mean, I, fire I down from above, and there's sorcerers firing 
through the atmosphere at this moon base. I'm not saying it's quite in the atmosphere. It's high in the sky. I don't know what... I'm not... I'm not a... I'm not but a what is a moon Josh. if it's if it's in the atmosphere? You know, it's, if it's if it's in our thing, then is it a moon? Let's That's take, a good question. Let's take a break. Oh. So that was the sound of them looking at a photo, or I guess an artist illustration. Obviously, no photographers were present. No one was left alive. <laughs> it makes much more sense now. Um. So yes. You know, it's not quite a moon. It's you know, it's moonish. That's no moon. It's a space station. I got you. It's a, yeah. It, it is no moon. It's not at all what I pictured, though. No, not well, the slightest. Well, it's just one interpretation. It doesn't need to be. No, nope, it's canon for me now. That's what it is. That's exactly <laughs> no, no. what it looks like. <laughs> That's what. The... <laughs> so the the free city of pale allies with the Tistiandi on Moonspawn. And are they a race or just like Yeah, they're they're a separate race, yeah. Okay. I thought okay. So there's this race of people on this kind of magic fortress and they kind of ally with this city to oppose the empire. However, obviously the empire succeeded at great cost. How did they Ugh, Never mind. Yeah, I think I think we got to wait. I got a, a lot, lot of big a lot picture of this questions. stuff's going to make sense in time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I hope so. So Oh, and the book's called <gasps> Gardens of the Moon. They go, wow. They go on all that moon, India. They have gardens up there. Wow. They're going on that fucking moon. <laughs> this book's making sense. Um, and then we uh, we see the fate of the bridge burners, this kind of uh, central military force that has been sent underneath the city. And right. uh, we met their commander, Whiskey Jack, in the prologue. Now, at this point, there's like five of them. Do we ever learn, like, if there were a substantial amount more before this accident? Like, so, were the bridge burners a big unit? And Sorry is a bridge burner. Sorry is a bridge burner. And we learn the numbers. We hear that there is almost 14,000 of them before they went under the city. And they were. And now them. there are only 30 ish. Damn. Ugh. So they, they took quite a toll by being sent under the city. And they even have a conversation that they feel like perhaps. The someone in the capital sent them under there to try and, um, you know, take care of them, so to speak. I could see it. That makes sense. And of course, we see sorry again. Did either Josh? What did you think of chapter two? Um, I enjoyed it. As I said, this this chapter had a, I mean, a couple pages where I literally went, oh yeah, I got it, and then like they got to the last sentence, and I would have to go, <laughs> nub, 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 and I'd have to read the page again, and that happened a few times. Yeah. Um. There, there's a moment in the battle where they're like, and then a demon erupted from the ground below, but was quickly vanquished. <laughs> and end of end of information on said demon. So, like, I love that. Like, I, it's so fantasy, and I love it. So, I'm excited to see more demons. Um, yeah. I think it's hard to like create scale so early in a book but i really got a sense of the scale of this warfare that's going on here which yeah, i think is really yeah. cool i agree with that i think something that's really cool is although i do agree you like have to kind of absorb everything that's being said like the, the siege of pale is clearly a shit show you know it is like there's a huge battle sequence and we see all these mages who we kind of just met but still get destroyed you know i i, I I think it's a really cool chapter. I mean, I, I know you got to meet a lot of people and learn a lot of things, but... And I feel like it's kind of rare in fantasy to, like, see, 
the end of like only the end of something like this you know yeah. like i feel like a lot of times you you see like the start of a siege and then like oh it, you know a week or two passes it's boring the author invents some bullshit way for the heroes to get and say that they you don't see a lot of like end game we've been here three years everyone fucking hates life you know <laughs> siege stuff it's it's truly in media res in that way yeah. like but no, I, 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 uh, I think I enjoyed this one. I think the first chapter had a bit more um, frivolity at times, you know? Sure. Uh, there is a decided lack of humor for much of this chapter. It is grim and upsetting, and uh, I was into it. I think that's a little bit true about the battle, but I feel like there's... Well, I don't know. I think the chapter's pretty There's, there's a couple moments, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's there's some really interesting stuff between Tattersail and Dude Who Dies. Um, it. The, yeah. the, the, the friend uh, with benefits. Friend with benefits of or something more. Who knows? Tattersail said some interesting stuff. Well, he's dead. Uh, well, all right. Fair point. Who knows, man? You know, uh, Hairlock was once dead, but now he is a marionette. So Accurate. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, I think uh, I, 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 would I, say that's, I would say, India, that that's also weird in-universe, which is new for us. I think that's true. What does that mean? It's like, it's weird to them, too, in a way. Like, it's mm. me- like everyone. And I want to go on the record, if I die, I don't need to be brought back as a marionette. You can just... Uh, you can just yeah. leave me. Got it. Noted. Yeah, no Noted. Re- no reaction, I guess. <laughs> well, I just, I, was, I thought about it for a second. Like, maybe I'd want you as a marionette in my house. I was no. a little upset because I've been preparing the materials to do this ritual for a long oh, time. Oh, I see. And now it's gone to waste. You were under the impression I did want to be a marionette. And this do you is know the how many boys? <laughs> do you know how many, how many souls I've had to reap for this? I, I, then that makes sense with all the candles around your apartment. Yeah, I'm burning a candle right now. It's cocoa and cream. And but what type of soul really? is that? Oh, that's the. I got nothing, man. Oof, I thought you were gonna say something inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could have gone some ways. Um, now I have a question based upon uh, the PowerPoint that we're kind of using as some as with some visual guides. What's up with these bug people? The Moran. <laughs> yeah, they're these mentioned. Bu- these... They're they're allies of the Malazan on the continent. Right now. I read the I, I I okay humanoid leaves sure. a lot to, of questions for you me. know they're like walk on like bugs life right like bugs life okay so they're bugs yeah they're bug people they're bug people like bugs life like do you want me to say it again uh can you give it one more again like bugs life oh like bugs life okay oh just one closing question sure so we've been introduced to a lot of characters. Yes. Will they all stay? Most of them. There's so yeah. many already. But most there's of them. So yeah. many. There is some bad news though. You're gonna meet a lot more. So. Yay. Okay. Yes. Yes. So India, any thoughts overall? You know, we did a whole pre thing before you read any of it. Now that we're in the book, what do you think? Um, I don't like the book. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's tough. It's there's a lot going on. There's too many adjectives, and I don't understand anything. But I'm trying. That doesn't leave much for uh, any comments. But yeah, Josh, what do you think? I I like it. I think it's fun. <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of anger towards it right now, but I think it's a good good old fashioned romp. Yeah, 
I'm enjoying my reread. I hope uh, I hope to you know be able to talk about some more spoilery thoughts somewhere soon. I'm really hoping that maybe India starts to enjoy it more, but you know we'll see how it goes. Don't hold your breath. Wow. Before we go, uh, Josh, could I quick get a prediction from you for something you think that's going to happen in the rest of the book? I think I'm going to be introduced to many more characters whose names I instantly forget who have ranks in a military system I don't understand. And, India, can I get a, India? and, and, thank you, I would like to see more of Ganos' horse. India, can I get a prediction from you? This uh, book in three, two chapters is already lacking any romance, so my prediction is that Sari and Ganos are gonna, you know. Oh, you think they're gonna, you wow. think they're gonna smooch? Oh, I do. Sari's like eight. No. Time has passed, Josh. She's Sorry, 11. Like, no, no, she's like 15. India is correct. Uh, I'm not boom. certain about her age, but she's not that. that young. Okay. And this is, you know, I don't know much about fantasy things, but I feel like this happens pretty frequently. <laughs> what, you know the age of young women? <laughs> you know, just young girls. Just seems, I, I don't, I don't know. She's not I don't young. know either, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know where we're going with this. I have no idea what's going on. Well, he's not that, but he's what, 21, the boy? That's Are my you... prediction, and I'm, and I'm sticking to it. All right. All right. Well, I guess we'll have to see. Um, we're going to come out with an episode in another two weeks. Um, follow us on Twitter, at 10 Very Big Books. Put a, hit us up on the iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. Um, you can email us at 10VeryBigBooks at gmail.com. Uh, hopefully we can get some sort of mail segment going eventually but that's the future i suppose that's um, peter's prediction that's oh. my prediction india can you squeeze in a quick catchphrase um yeah catch us next time going over a tale of malzan book of the fallen asleep Boom. peter i'm ready for you to ask me for my fun catchphrase I, I don't want us to do catchphrases. No, I, Peter, I'd very much like you to ask you. I, I, I don't know what happened. It was a miscommunication. I'm ready for some more Stephen Eric's fun. <laughs> yes. That's, that was pretty good. Thank that you. was pretty good. All right, we'll see you soon. Follow us or die. Yeah. Bye. Hey everybody, AJ here, producer of 10 Very Big Books, just popping in to tell you that we finished recording these first couple episodes before we had a logo or any music, so we didn't have anybody to thank when we recorded those episodes, but now we do. Uh, thank you to Dan Geserich for making the wonderful logo. You can check him out on Twitter, at Dan Geserich, for, quote, the hottest Flyers takes. That's the hockey team, the Flyers. And also thank you to Amaranthine for letting us use some songs from their album, Simulant Rain, which you can find on Bandcamp. Uh, links to their pages will be in the show notes, and 10 Very Big Books will be back in two weeks. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you soon.